Sports Backseas Musical Podcast. Hey everybody, it's Bax and welcome back to Baxi's Musical Podcast. You know, I don't always get a chance to interview somebody more than once. But when it happens, I'm usually happy to do it because one, it's kind of cool. And then two, I really like doing it. And when that interview is offered without me having to beg for a second chance to get things right, then how can I possibly say no? And how could I possibly say no if that guy happens to be Fee Wabel from the Tubes? So about a year ago, I talked to Fee Wabel from the Tubes, and we talked about all kinds of stuff, from going fishing with John Candy on SCTV as Gil Fisher, the fishing musician, to producing such great hits like Talk to You Later, White Punks on Dope, What Do You Want from Life, and She's a Beauty. We talked about all sorts of things, including some things that hadn't yet been made public, like them going on tour with the B-52s and then going to celebrate their 40th anniversary from their 1981 album, The Completion Backward Principle, in the middle of a pandemic. This year, they are, in fact, going on tour with the B-52s. They're also going on tour to celebrate the 40th anniversary of their 1983 follow-up album, Outside Inside, which would have been the biggest hit of their career. The Tubes were, and still are for that matter, a legendary band that was known for not only those great hit singles, but also for their legendary stage shows. The Tubes didn't just stand there on stage and play the hits. They put on a full theatrical production. Their shows held nothing back. Costumes, set changes, dancers, you name it. It's what made the Tubes one of the most exciting live bands in history, but also one that had the songs to make those shows great. The Tubes are coming through New England in November. On the 3rd, they'll be at the Greenwich Odeon in Greenwich, Rhode Island. They'll also be at the Cabot Theater in Beverly, Massachusetts on November 6th. It's always great to catch up with actor, singer, songwriter, the great Fee Wable from The Tubes on Baxi's Musical Podcast. Yeah, Mike. There we go. Good right. to see you. How you been? Good, man. How about you? Really good. I'm, I'm glad you took some uh, some time to, to join me today. I know you got a lot going on right now. I'm just kind of in between gigs right now. Yeah. Uh, Trying to keep my shit together, basically. <laughs> I understand, but this is like a, this is a big year for you guys. I know this uh, this happens to be the uh, the fortieth anniversary of the cult classic, ladies and gentlemen, the fabulous Stains, a uh, right. a landmark cinematic triumph. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> Where you played right. Lou Corpse amongst the cast of uh, an all star cast of favorites. I mean, Ray Winston has become a huge star. Diane Lane's a huge star. Laura Dern is a huge star. Uh, Steve Jones has got a big show here in LA on the radio, Jones' jukebox. I don't know whatever happened to Paul Simonon or, or Paul Cook. Paul Cook still plays around. He still plays every now and then. He does? Yeah, he does. But, man, what an artistic achievement that uh, that film was. <laughs> Boy, I mean, but it, that never got released, you know? Yeah, but a, but a, but a cult classic. Yeah, a cult, it's funny that... Uh, I was, I'm involved in all three of the biggest cult, cult classics, Rocky Horror Show, Xanadu, yep. and ladies and gentlemen, The Fabulous Stains. And Unbelievable. So, it, so last time we talked, it was about a year ago last August, and uh, you told uh, me at the time that there was this possibility that the Tubes were going to be touring with the B-52s for their, their final tour, and I don't, I don't know if you right. were supposed to let that out at the time, or 
this is just one of those situations where nobody tells Fee Wable what to do. <laughs> no, and it, it has happened. We've done, we, we played Seattle with them uh, upcoming. We have three nights in San Francisco with them at the Masonic Auditorium. And I guess a lot, I, I thought we were going to do the whole tour, but it turns out they're using uh, Casey and the Sunshine Band oh. for another of the other dates. So it's, it's one oh. or the other. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it, we had a great time in Seattle. It was really cool and they were great. And uh, it, it was a big, it was, uh, it was called what? The Macaw Hall. It was like a 4,000 seater. Wow. And Masonic is, Masonic, I think is a 2,700 and we're doing three nights sold out. So it, it's cool. It's really cool. And the latest, okay. Uh, <laughs> the latest. That hasn't been announced yet. Like we did last August, I have a, a late a late breaking news item. In July of next summer, in the UK, in England, Wales, and Scotland, we'll be supporting the Hollywood vampires. Oh, no kidding. That's very cool. Huge. Johnny Depp, uh, Alice, Alice Cooper, right? And and Joe Perry. Wow. And, and there's another guitar player. I can't remember his name. Uh, Tom something. And then the Alice's bass player and Alice's drummer. And uh, uh, we're doing, I think, five or six shows with them in the UK. And hopefully more. It's all, you know, we're all setting it up. It's, but we've already accepted. The, the, guy, the guy who booked us for 2017 when we went over and opened for Alice, uh, a, a, a friend... Uh, at AEG London, he he wrote me an email and he said, "Are you guys interested in even maybe uh, supporting Hollywood vampires?" And I just, are you kidding me? Johnny Depp has twenty eight million Instagram followers. I mean, can he play? How do you Who cares? Well, he can, the thing is, he can play. He's actually very can good. Play. Yeah, yeah, I know. I've I've seen their videos and I've gone to their website and. He is pretty good. Yeah. You know, it's a big guitar world. You know, it's, I think there's going to be he and Joe and this other guy, there's three lead guitar players and a rhythm player and a bass player. And so it's going to be world of guitars. Yeah. I mean, you, between the, the B-52s and, and, and those guys, I mean, you, it's going to be and, fantastic. It's going to, and the way, the way the UK loves that tabloid media after the <laughs> whole thing with Johnny Depp, Oh, it's going to be insanity. Absolutely. We're playing 25,000 seaters. Just keep your dog off his bed. That's all he, that's all he cares about. Okay. (laughs) I'm not bringing my dog. My dog's at at the vet right now getting her teeth cleaned. Oh, good. Very good. So how has it been to play with the B-52s? I mean, I, I know that this is their final tour and you're all kind of about the same age group yeah. i mean have you i mean have you told them that nobody likes a quitter <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand i mean they 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 had a great show i don't understand why they're maybe this is only the first of the farewell tours yeah kind of like kiss they're just going to go on and on and on <laughs> and on uh but it no they have a good show and they have a lot of production and they seem to be singing well there's not a problem i i don't i don't get yeah. it but it was fun it was fun as, as far as the tubes go, how much has the live show changed over the years? Obviously, when you guys first start off, uh, started off, it was a very theatrical 
no. event. I mean, you're you're wearing you know <laughs> the two foot shoes and this Quaalude and uh, Johnny Bugger and all these what? all these. How much has it changed over the years? I you know I'm still wearing the shoes. <laughs> I'm still wearing the, the. They're only eighteen inches, but oh. I'm only. <laughs> I'm still wearing the shoes. I'm still doing characters. Uh, we you know we don't have we don't have 35 people on the road like we used to on the first tour and, and with nine dancers and uh, you know, every guy in the crew had to be some kind of character in the show. And so now, <laughs> now we're, now we're a five man band and uh, we travel with six or seven and uh, you know, it's fun. I still do a costume changes. We still, we still play all those songs. We, and we try to, you know, keep trying to change the show. Like, this time we're doing outside inside. We're doing the whole album top to bottom. And the tour before was completion backward principle. We did yep. the whole album top to bottom. And before that, it was like a, a, a Mondo Pulp tour. And it was like, like a tribute to Taron Quentin, Tarantino, <laughs> the Pulp Fiction, our favorite movie. And uh, before that, it was Satyricon tour with Fellini. And uh, I mean, it's just, we kind of pick a theme you know, for each show, and we kind of try to make it different. We throw in different, different songs, and of course, we have to play the, you know, what do you want from life and white books on dope and right. talk here and she's a beauty. And we have a core of, you know, maybe six or eight songs we play every time. But then the other ten or twelve, we mix in different stuff every time. See, and I think that's so great because. You know, concert tickets are not cheap anymore. You know, like if you're going to spend $5,000 for floor seats to see Bruce Springsteen, you know, at least he's going to give you a show. But how many times have you been to a concert where the, the singer's got his back to the audience and not really paying attention? You're really not getting any kind of showmanship whatsoever. That has never been the case with you guys, ever. No, no. I always... I mean, I love, I love it. I love the stage. I love my, I love to see the, I love to give the joy and receive the joy. And see, I, I like playing little clubs better actually than, you know, 25,000 seaters, although it's, it's more uh, exciting, you know, and, and, uh, but I can't see anybody, you know, I can't see the front row. Right. And I the the people just with their eyes glittering and going oh God, you know, with their mouth hanging open yeah uh, it's it's definitely got more of an impact when you're in a in a smaller uh, theater like you guys are coming to uh, the cabot theater in beverly on the uh, the 6th right. of november and even the, uh, the the greenwich odeon in rhode island on on the third those are not big venues but right. it is the kind of thing where the, where the crowd really feels like they're a part of the show yeah, yeah it's a uh, we've played the odeon in Greenwich before, and that's a beautiful theater. Yeah. I've never played the Cabot Theater. We've never been to Beverly. We we've been all around Boston and in Boston and Salisbury Beach and all around the area. But uh, the Cabot Theater looks like a. I've looked at it on their yeah. website. It looks like a really nice and which is perfect for us. You know those kind of twelve fifteen hundred seaters. That's the perfect venue for us because there's there's the intimacy of of the lower number of people and but there's usually a proscenium stage a full-size stage so we can put our hang our backdrop and we can you know i can run around all over the stage still and uh, <laughs> uh so it's the best of both uh worlds yeah the, 
I was in uh, I was in high school when uh, Outside Inside came out forty years ago, and I and I I don't like thinking in terms of forty year intervals, <laughs> but but I'm sure you, I, I'm not sure you you do either. But last time we we talked, it was the fortieth anniversary of the complete uh, completion backward principle, and right. um, yeah, I was I was listening to both records the other day. The completion backward principle is a record I've always loved, and even though Outside Inside was the the bigger selling record. Oh. I think one of the best songs on that album was not was not necessarily uh, "She's a Beauty." There's something about the Wild Women of Wongo that I, uh. I freaking <laughs> love. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because it's got like a like a Frank Zappa feel to it, uh, or or uh. whatever. Uh. But there's just something about that song. I just think it's just so much fun. It's real. I I love doing it. I love that song. Prairie actually, Prairie Prince wrote the lyrics to that song. And uh, they're so whacked out and uh, from the foggy woggy banks of the Limpopo River. <laughs> the sound of I shiver. And it's funny, uh, we've been watching this, uh, this uh, documentary about architectural design on, I think it's on uh, Apple Plus. I'm not, or I'm not sure. It's called Home. And it's, and they, and they have, Every week they have a, a new architectural design or a, an architect that designed this unbelievable, you know, there, one of them was this woman in Bali who builds these five-story things out of all bamboo. It's right. unbelievable. And <laughs> the last one we saw, which I was just stunned, was this person who built a house in South Africa on the Limpopo River. And... <laughs> And they didn't they didn't want to disturb any of the jungle. So they built this house in between trees, like one tree grows right up through the middle of the house. And it's all it's <laughs> they didn't touch a bush or a tree or cut down anything. They made this house designed in a little little valley around all these all these uh, trees and a creek that runs down to the Limpopo River. So I thought that was interesting. <laughs> that the River really exists. <laughs> no. I, I I love that song, and and you know both those records are really are really great, and and you know obviously David Foster produced both those records. But the difference yeah. between the two, and I find this really interesting, and I don't know how the rest of the guys in the band must have felt about this, but you know with completion backward principle, you had a couple of uh, outside musicians come in. But for Outside Inside, you had nearly 40 different musicians and engineers popping in and out of that thing. Yeah. You know, you guys were all capable mus musicians and all good songwriters. That had to kind of sit oddly uh, when all these things are being brought in. It did. It did, actually. And it kind of uh, precipitated us breaking up for a, for a few years uh, when the third one, you know, because we... Uh, Steve Lukather and David and I wrote Talk to You Later. And the band was a little tweaked, you know, because here we wrote this great song and, you know, we didn't even tell them. And, uh, but they ended up loving it. And then we did it again on She's a Beauty. The three of us wrote She's a Beauty. And that's become a big hit. And then, so then when we went to do the third record with David, he said, you know, we... He, he doesn't have a lot of detente. He's a brilliant producer and arranger. But as, and, and I don't know if you saw the, the documentary about Chicago, about what happened to the guys in Chicago with the same 
with Peter Cetera and and them kind of alienating the rest of the band and right. the band although they went ahead and made that record that they didn't want to make and it sold 7 million records well we didn't you know he said let's do a, let's do the third record and me and steve and and fee are going to write four songs not just one but a, four of them so we'll have a follow up single and you guys can do whatever the hell fucking else you want to do you know you can have the whole side too you can produce it you can write it you can i don't care what you do and the band just kind of went, you know, this is that's a little too much, I, you know. And although I was saying, you know, let's do this, I think, you know, swallow your pride for a second and let's have a billion-selling record. And uh, and they went, no, no, this doesn't feel right. It just doesn't feel right. And we didn't do it. Yeah. Whereas Chicago went ahead and did it and sold seven million records. And then they, you know, then they bailed. So. And I still have a good relationship with David. I see him every now and then here in LA. So, I mean, I don't regret it. That's just the way things went, you know, yeah. and we woke up for a while and then we got back together again. And from a seven man band, we went to a five man band because Mike Cotton moved to New York, started getting graphic design jobs for, for Vegas and Bette Midler and all, you know, share. And he didn't want to go back to touring and, and Bill married, Bill got a divorce and then married a woman who said, you're not going on tour. You're, I, I, that's it. That's it for you. And so <laughs> he couldn't go on tour. And so he's, he teaches now. He lives in Northern California. Yeah. And he did well. And uh, so we got back together with just five of us. And uh, well, at, at, at that point, Vince was, Vince had joined the Grateful Dead. Right. He he replaced Brett Myland or some one of their dead keyboard players. They had so damn many. And then uh, and then and so we had a, a, a different keyboard player, Dave, who's still with us. And so we're still we're still a five man band four original members and, and Dave still. And uh, and we've you know, we've we've gosh, it's been not 20 another another 20 years 27 years of, of the second time around so i mean it was it's been we got together in 72 wow. so this 50 years we got together 50 years ago you know i've done a, a bunch of interviews with with the with with bands and and and, and artists who have been in long term situations with uh -huh. other musicians and uh -huh. to me it says a lot about the individuals in a band if you can continue to work productively for mm -hmm. 50 years, I mean, it's hard to work in any partnership, never mind five, four guys. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's amazing that you're able to do it that long because, you know, people's, you know, people change and their, their priorities, you know, differ over the course of years. I mean, it's really remarkable that you've, that you're talking in 50 year terms here. I know it's crazy. And everybody's got a, you know, everybody's got a family and we've got friends and you've got children and wives and dogs. And, you know, we all live in a different city now. And uh, we kind of, I kind of coordinate everybody when we get gig offers, I kind of coordinate, you know, okay, well, what airport do you want to fly out of? What airport do you want to fly out? Of? You're flying out of San Francisco. You're flying out of San Jose. You're flying out of LA. You're flying out of, you know, and try to coordinate 
everybody to meet kind of a real, relatively the same time somewhere. Right. Uh, one thing we all agree on, though, we're not getting back in the bus. Okay, we're not. <laughs> we used to we used to get in the bus in like March or April and stay out the entire year and not come home until like Thanksgiving. And oh, it was so. The only time we get in the bus, and actually, it's not a bus. Like when we go to when we go to the UK this time uh, to do a, a, a tour with the vampires, we'll get like one of those big Mercedes splitter vans that like seat eight, and then in the back there's a big cargo com container. Sure. So we'll carry all our backline in the back, and and we'll get a driver, and he'll drive to all the England's not very big, you know, and drive to all the cities around. Uh, the UK and and maybe take it you know across the pond to or the channel I should say to to Germany and Holland and whatever over there too when you guys were were starting out and you know even even you know around the time of uh, you know white punks on dope it, it's such a theatrical production you know back then that uh -huh. I have to believe that it didn't come cheap to pro to produce a show like that so at what point does either a record company or management say, Hey, you know what? We got to scale this back a little bit. So maybe you yeah. do less dates. Maybe there's, there's less, you know, transportation. Maybe there's less perks along the way. Did that, that had to have happened at least a couple of times over the years. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We, we, in those early days, uh, I think we had five, our first tour, we had five girl dancers and we had three male dancers. So we had eight dancers and we had eight guys in the band. And uh, Mingo Lewis was a percussionist that was playing with us then. And uh, so we had 16 band members and then the whole, and we were, and nobody wanted us to open for them. So we were headlining in small theaters because we had such an outrageous show. And then, and then, you know, halfway through the tour, we'd run out of money. And then we'd call up the record company and go, uh, we need a we need a tour advance. And they go, okay, when well, they gave us some more money. And then they, you know, they gave us some more money. And then they get they then they said, Okay, well, <laughs> you know, we'll give you some more money, but you've got to give this up or you've got to give that up. Or so we were we it but it but for us, I mean, we all we always used to say to each other, are we gonna are we gonna scale it way back and just be a regular band and have nothing, no visual, no theatrics? And we went, no, it's art. <laughs> art for art's sake was our theme. Yeah. It's art for art's sake, and we're gonna do it. I don't care. And and still we like I said, we still do it. We I, I still wear the big shoes and I still make six or eight costume changes and it, it's mostly only me now uh actually <laughs> actually i've incorporated my lovely wife to be quaaludes nurse and <laughs> so she's got a she's got a slinky nurse outfit and and helps quaalude onto the stage because you know he's getting a little, he's getting a little feeble and uh having trouble walking in those shoes but, uh, well, I mean, I don't so that, think I don't think I can walk 15 feet without orthotics and a comfortable pair of loafers or something or sneakers or something. <laughs> I need I need something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you know, it's been actually I've been, uh, you know, it's been 
we haven't done a gig. Gosh, we we in two, uh, March of 2020, it shut down. We didn't do another gig until October of 21, like 18, 19 months. And then we did a East Coast tour and then Omicron hit. And then the whole thing shut down again. And then we didn't play again until this year, until June of this year, we started back up and we played in June and July and August and, and, uh, but after all that time, I, I kind of forgot to walk in those shoes, how to walk in those shoes. So I've, been, I've, you know, I've had them braced up and I'm walking around the house in them. And I've even got, I've been, I've been going back to, uh, I've been, I went back to yoga with my wife. Right. Because I'm just, my joints are just locking up on me. So I've been taking a yoga class and I'm going to a trainer and my trainer does a brutal workout and then he goes okay get the shoes out and so i'm in the gym and put the shoes on <laughs> helping me to to get strong and stand up with my core you know and oh, people are just going what <laughs> but, uh, you know i'm 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 uh actually i'm even taking uh i'm i'm seeing a vocal coach really uh, i mean we've been singing for 50 years and i'm seeing a vocal coach and uh, he's really helped me to just learn how to relax everything and not strain your neck and your shoulders and 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 breathe from your diaphragm and just not push so hard. I mean, I you know we did a lot of high notes. David Foster loves the high notes. And there's a lot of really high songs, and we don't want to lower everything, you know, a fifth or something, right? So you recognize the song. So it's really been helping a lot. I've been seeing his name is Bruce. I've been seeing him, and he's showing me how to just just relax everything in your throat and not push so hard. But that's kind of the thing, though. I mean, as a vocalist, I mean, you're basically it's. I mean, it's a a a bunch of muscles that all need to kind of work in sync it's no different than a professional athlete you know having to you know to work out physically to be able to play you, you know his yeah. sport it's it's very similar yeah. to what the, you know, a vocalist has to do otherwise you wind yeah. up sounding like a lot of these these guys that the, the voice is just it's just shot just gone right? yeah they, and i was listening to you know tony bennett the other day oh my i mean he's 90 yeah and he's still got it he's just it's incredible incredible and uh and i never had problems with my voice i mean i'm doing actually i'm doing a i'm doing a a book of my life it's called feeway bill's guide to an unknown trail <laughs> which is kind of what my life has been like i yeah. didn't know what's happening i didn't you know all i had was a dream and i've tried to manifest it and and i was looking back through itineraries my mother when my mother died we went to the house that was 2004 and we went to the house and she had like closets full of boxes of clippings and magazines and posters and articles everything i'd ever done so I, we took all this stuff home and uh started going through it you know to to call it out to to try to make this kind of coffee table book and uh and i found itineraries where we were doing 10 in a row 10 nights in a row of different cities every night different city 10 in a row and i don't i don't know how i ever did it and i uh i i just 
the only thing I can think is, you know, after two or three nights, I'd go to the acupuncturist and I'd, oh, I'd we get, get into a city, I'd find an acupuncturist and I'd go there and I'd go, I lost my voice. And he'd stick the needles right in here, right into your vocal cords and right into your neck and all over, like a pincushion. And it was a miracle. Yeah. I'd come up out of there singing like a bird. And I, oh my God. And then I could do three or four more. And then I'd go back again. And then, oh. So uh, I kind of, you know, I never really had a problem. I've been really lucky. I've never had a problem with my voice. And when, now if we do four in a row, I'm pushing it. You know? Right. Have, have you used vocal coaches in the past? I haven't. I actually, early on, I went to a speech therapist. And she kind of trained me how to use the hard palate of your of your mouth as a sounding board, like right. a, a soundboard of a piano, to reflect uh, reflect sound and and project better. Uh, but this this guy that I'm seeing now is just it's all about relaxation and breathing and not tensing up. He, there's he said. Uh, what did he, he said and 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 breath and breath uh he said there's two ways to get your vocal cords to, to vibrate so either you can sing with one way is called glottal singing where you kind of force it and and they kind of slam together and the other way is with breath it's called bernoulli and the breath kind of sucks it's like a vacuum. It kind of sucks the cords together hmm. gently. And, you know, we, we do exercises like, like, sa, sa. And the first, the first note is preceded by breath. And, and it just, everything stays relaxed and you don't tense up your neck and your throat and all these muscles and it's like a it's like a whole new world for me. It's it's fascinating to hear you talk about this because you know after listening to uh, completion backward principle and outside inside over the last couple of days, you know there's certain songs where I can say, where I can hear your voice at a at at a at a certain register that not everybody can can hit, mm -hmm. and you're either going to you know, strain the shit out of your voice, or you have to work around it. And so like you, know, I can't imagine that without some training and and control that you could sing She's a Beauty or Sushi Girl or, uh, you know, or any of those songs. I mean, the, the way you were singing earlier in your career was not simple vocal work. I mean, it, they, they, these were oh, challenging songs. You're right. And they were. And the way I got away with it was it's a studio and you're in a studio and, you know, you sing for what, a half an hour and you take a break. Or you sing one line of a song. I remember the first time I sang with David Foster in, uh, I sang Amnesia on the first album on Completion Backward Principle in 1980. There was no digital back then. This was all analog. We're, we're singing on 24 track tape. So you can't fix, there's no auto tune, no quantizing. There's no fixing it. You have to sing it perfect. And it took me a week to do one song. Wow. It took me a week to do it because he was such a perfectionist that I I could not do it. I just never had been pushed like that before with any other producer with Todd Rundgren or with Al Cooper or with Ken Scott or anybody. 
but but you know you you sing you you're you know you you work on it and and you take a break and you have some water and you rest and but when you're live when you're doing a live show and you're doing 20 songs in a set there's no sitting around and resting and <laughs> drinking and taking a break and sitting back. And, you, no, you, you're bam, 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 bam. Then one song after another. You never said to an audience, I, I'll be with you guys in a second. <laughs> right, right. Well, let me just rest my vocal cords for a second. And <laughs> oh, it's one, or I rush off the stage to change clothes or change costumes and then rush back and then, no, you have to stay relaxed the whole time. Yeah, and well, I've really we we did we did uh, a few shows already with the B fifty twos up in up north in Seattle, Portland area, and that was the first time I got to put this technique into practice. But I had only been seeing this guy once or twice, and since then, I've you know I've been five, six, seven more lessons. So our next run is going to be. Uh, at the end of the month, we're going to play Reno, and then we're going to play three nights in San Francisco with the B-52s. So I'll really have a chance to really put this into practice and, and try to, you know, it's it's hard. I mean, sit, sitting in a studio, just relaxing and doing scales and oh, great. That's not a problem. It's just me and him. But when you're at the Masonic Auditorium and it's like 3,700 people you know, and you're trying to, you know, oh my God, it's it's a different challenge. When you were working on your uh, your, your solo album, Be Wable Rides Again, and I know Richard Marks was you know a, a good friend and producing it with you, and were, writing every song with me. Yeah, but but were you relying on the technology to get you at that point to sing on that record, or was or you know were you trying to hard not to do that because your fee wable after all the way we work is i mean we don't he, we he won't use auto tune we don't use any of that type of fixing stuff we won't do it so what we do is i'll ha i'll have the lyrics printed out and he'll have a, a a sheet of the lyrics printed out and we'll just like he'll okay okay let's do it and so i'll warm up and then we'll sing uh we'll sing through the song and then he'll make notations as I sing through and he goes okay do it again so then I sing it again a second time and he'll make more notations okay do it again and so I'll do I'll sing it maybe five times and he'll notate where what words are working and what words aren't working right you know and, and what phrases aren't working you know okay okay go back so sing the third line of the first verse again and so and then he'll and so we we it's called comping, and, and so then we'll the, the technology we use is the dig, digital technology. You know, we'll we'll have five tracks of vocals, and we'll have five tracks that are good, and and each line we'll have a, a like so say the first line is from track one, the second line is from track two, and the third line is from track three, and we'll we'll edit all that on Pro Tools so that into one performance it's one two and three all mixed up and words mixed up from here to there and here to there and we'll comp it all together and it'll be one performance see i i have no problem with that i i, I guess there's a part of me that that mistrusts somebody who has to rely on on an auto-tune to a certain degree i mean i can understand tweaks here and there i realize it's a it's a it's a 
you know, it's a money saving technology for people because you don't have to spend like a week doing, you know, one, one song, but done badly. Auto tune sounds awful. Oh, it's awful. I hate it. Yeah. I, I won't use it. I don't use it. Ever. Good. Good. I don't know. And, uh, you know, another thing that we really try to avoid is tracking stuff. A lot of bands do that. A lot of bands track and they play to a track and we've never done that. And we really, you know, there's, there's maybe, uh, uh, like one song we track is wild women or longo because they've got all those animal sounds in the back. Uh, and a big chorus of oh, and so on and on the lords of Wongo go. <laughs> so for that song, we play the track and 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 we always sing and play with it also. Right. But you know, we have all the animal sounds that we want in there in a live performance. So so I'll sing that along to the track. Is there any plans for the tubes to record? Not really. Yeah. Not really. I mean, we've got Every once in a while, I mean, we've got actually, let's see, one, two, four. We probably have four or five songs in the works. Yeah. That, that you know, Roger sends me a track and I'll write lyrics. And, uh, so I, I think eventually, Good. you know, it'll happen. Because, you know, once we get to like six or eight or ten tracks, we'll go, well, okay, so now let's go, let's go, because... Like I said, everybody lives in a different city. So everybody's got to fly in from somewhere to get together in a studio somewhere to record. So I think it'll probably happen. Although I know Roger's working on his second solo album and I begin writing for my next solo project. And, uh, and you know, Richard just, Richard's got a, a, a product coming out where he's got 20 songs coming out, five pop songs, five rock songs, five country songs, and five ballads on one package. Wow. And and it's, I mean, he's unbelievable. The yeah. guy is, he is the most driven person I have ever met in my life. And he has instilled that drive into me. And I really, I I, I don't know ever how to thank him for it. And, and, uh, and his kids too. I mean, we're going to do... Uh, we're going to do a solo. I'm going to do a solo show in December here in Los Angeles. Two shows, uh, Fee Wayville Rides Again and Friends. <laughs> I can't really say who the friends are. I can't advertise that. Right. But everybody knows it's going to be Richard and Richard's band. But one of his sons, Jesse's going to be my guitar player. And he wrote a couple of the songs on Richard's new product. And, and, the other son, Lucas, is a keyboard player, and Brandon is a drummer, and he played on my record. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it's just it's it's not like it skipped a generation. No, They're, you know, his dad was really brilliant. His dad was a jazz keyboard player in Chicago. His name was Dick Marks, and that guy. I mean, he wrote he he and he became later in his career he became a jingle writer, and he wrote. Double mint gum jingle. He wrote, uh, uh, My dog's better than your dog. My dog's better than kennel ration. He wrote that. He wrote all these jingles. And Richard really grew up singing jingles. And 
and uh, when we got to be friends, I went in, Richard and his mother and I sang a number of double mint gum jingles. And uh, <laughs> so it didn't, no, no, but it didn't skip any generations in his family at all. Oh, that's great. Well, listen, I, I, I appreciate you spending some time with me today. I, you know, again, the tubes are coming to uh, Rhode Island, the Greenwich uh, Odeon in Greenwich, Rhode Island, and the Cabot Theater in Beverly, uh, on, yeah. November 3rd and 6th. It's great to talk to you. Best of luck with the uh, with the tour, and you, uh, good to see you again. Good to good to talk to you, Mike. Thank you for having me. Anytime. Appreciate it. Thank you, Fee. All right. Bye bye. The tubes are coming through New England in November on the third. They'll be at the Greenwich Odeon in Greenwich, Rhode Island. They'll also be in the Cabot Theater in Beverly, Massachusetts, on November sixth to play outside inside their nineteen eighty three classic. Again, I appreciate you joining me today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did. Like it, share it, subscribe it, tell all your friends about it. You can also email me at backsatrock102.com. I'd love to know what you think. And thanks again for joining me on Baxi's Musical Podcast.